It's game day, Tampa Bay. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Left circle, Stamkos. Holds, holds, shoots, scores! Stamkos! Again! The latest Lightning news, interviews, and more. Wow. With your host, Greg Linelli. That's great, folks. That's great right there. On Lightning Power Play. We're going to try and be great for you tonight, no doubt about that. Getting you set for Lightning and the Vegas Golden Knights. That's right. First game here at Amelie Arena in 21 days. When I walked into the building today, I had to um, make sure I knew where I was headed because I was a little lost. It's been a while. Even the people that you work with, you had to go over some things. Hey, what are we doing today? It's that long. The great thing about it is Tampa Bay played really well on the road. And the schedule, I think, really, I think when you look at Tampa Bay through the first, what, 52, 53 games, you can make the argument that the schedule has been maybe the biggest story for them. Now, you can point to some individual players and what they've been able to do this year. Alex Klorin, I think, has been a nice story for sure. You can talk about... Mikhail Sergachev's maybe elevation as a top four defenseman for this team. And maybe there's some other things you want to get into. But I'm wondering for you, and maybe this is the topic we lead with today on the show, at Greg Linelli on Twitter, what has been the biggest story for you this year when it comes to the Lightning team? And as we talk out loud... The one thing that's been consistently thrust upon us, I think, has been the schedule. Whether it was the Global Series in Sweden, this West Coast trip that they were just recently on, 21 days not having a home game in between games. I mean, I think it's been a grind. And I'm sure I'm missing a couple of scenarios when it comes to the schedule anyways. But I'm curious, when you look at this Lightning team and where they are right now, what has been the biggest storyline to date? Now, maybe that changes in a couple of weeks when the trade deadline hits. And if the Lightning make a big, impactful move, it will be that. Maybe where Tampa Bay finishes at the end of the regular season, that'll be your biggest storyline before the playoffs begin. But as we sit here today, February 4th, for me it's not necessarily how Tampa Bay is playing, although you can sit there and say, you know, Greg, maybe the way they've changed things up this year in terms of being a little bit better defensively, maybe that's the best or biggest storyline for you. That's fair. For me, though, it's been the schedule. How difficult at times it has been. And to see where the Tampa Bay Lightning are right now, dealing with that schedule, has been most impressive. At Greg Linelli on Twitter, if you want to get involved in the show, you can. Brian Burns, beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, coming up in a little bit. 
Then Dan Duva, radio play-by-play man for the Vegas Golden Knights. Also, former Syracuse Crunch play-by-play guy. He'll stop in studio, and we'll talk to him about this Vegas team. Where they are. Now, don't forget, this is a team that made a coaching change, a pretty big one. Back on, what was it, January 15th? Gerard Gallant out, Peter DeBoer in. We'll ask him what really went down when it came to that move. So we'll talk about that coming up with Dan at 6 o'clock. Andre Vasilevsky getting an opportunity to start again tonight. Why not? When you start talking about guys who have really turned things around, it's been Vasilevsky. Luke Fox, you heard him on my show yesterday, feels like he is the leading contender to win the Vesna again. Take that for what it is. There's no doubt Vasilevsky's been impressive again this year. Got off to a bit of a slow start. So did the team. I do think when we look back at the regular season, we're going to look and say, yeah, the team, I think, changed the way they wanted to play and became a bit better when they realized that Vasilevsky wasn't stopping everything in sight like he did last year. And I think if you're a Lightning player and you see in, in some ways how vulnerable your grasp of being one of the top teams in the league can be. Because your goaltender's not making the saves he typically did last year to bail you out. You have to change the way you play. Or else you're in trouble. I think the Lightning have done that. They haven't been perfect every game. I know there are a lot of people who are disappointed with how they've played the last four games, even though they earn seven points out of a possible eight. Yeah, I think when you have that type of layoff, nine days, you're not going to be great coming back every single night initially. But folks, they earn points. That's what this league's about, earning points. And it's not like their play is such that you're sitting there saying, well, you know what, I think they've really taken a step backwards. No, it's not that. And while Tampa Bay, their last three victories were against teams towards the end of the standings in the West, who cares? You don't apologize for who you beat in this league. You just don't. It's a parity-driven league. I think the NHL, more than any other league right now, has gotten it to the point where outside of Detroit, who's been awful this year, and a couple of teams out West who have been in the basement all year long. I mean, it's a competitive league, maybe more so than any other sports league right now when we start talking about the major four. But the Lightning don't have to apologize for what they've accomplished here recently on that West Coast trip. And now at 69 points through 52 games, find themselves in a pretty good spot. Plus 43 goal differential. Plus 43. Leads the NHL. I want to go back to that poll question we asked because we were getting some final tallies in. Don't worry, this isn't the Iowa caucus. We will have results for you because, well, we have smart people running things. But when you see, I don't want to get in trouble for that, but that, that wasn't, you know, just... When you spew facts, you know, what are you going to do? Um, 
So we asked that question, what position needs to be addressed most ahead of the uh, trade deadline? And, you know, a legit question. A very legit question. And I think when you take a look at the Lightning, and we talked about the depth, and we talked about, I don't know, high-end players maybe they need to bring in, or an impactful player, bottom six, top nine. I mean, really, however you want to phrase it, you can break it all down. But it was an interesting question because a lot of you had different opinions on what to do. And that's fine. But I don't think it was a surprise that a lot of people wanted a top four defenseman who was right-handed. And as I told you on the show the other day, for me, I'm starting to lean more towards a bottom six player. Because as I told you before, while I would not disagree with Julian Brisewell going out and getting a uh, top four defenseman who's right-handed, I think you're going to have to pay a pretty good price for that. And I think the Lightning have the assets to pull that off. I think the question they want to ask themselves, um, are you going to get term in return when we start talking about a trade? And I think it's a fair question. But I think the Lightning have put themselves in a position, basically, they can go out and if they wanted to make a move, they could address whatever need they wanted. And from that standpoint, um, I think it's okay. I think if they wanted to go out and make a big move, go for it. But for me, I think it's more your bottom six. But it's no surprise the um, top priority was a top four defenseman who's right-handed. At Greg Linnelli on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with me, you can. Brian Burns, he's the beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's up next. We'll get Burns' thoughts. 53 games in, 52 games in, what's been the biggest storyline so far for this Lightning team? I gave you my thoughts. I want yours. Burns, you up next on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Get a coup drop left circle. Cross ice Johnson, right circle. Jump score! Oh, what a snipe! The latest news, interviews, and more with your host, Greg Lanelli. He would not be denied! On Lightning Power Play. All right, officially, the results are in. The results are in. Uh, top four right D was 34.4%. Thank you, Steve. And the second closest... Option was a bottom 6-4 to 26.1. So those were the two biggest options we gave you. What was the biggest need for this team as we head to the trade deadline? We're going to ask that question to our good friend Brian Burns, beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But before we ask him that question, Burnsy, first off, good to be with you. Yeah, good to be back. You thought I was talking to myself before you I did. In. I came in. I heard you talking. I'm like, I, he's talking to someone I, in the uh, booth in the back. Or? I can't blame you for thinking that. <laughs> um, biggest storyline for this team 52 games in and for me before I give you a chance to to break it down you know it hits you that it's been what 21 days since they last played a home game yeah and I feel like one of the the biggest themes this year maybe the biggest and it feels like every couple of weeks it's brought up is how demanding the schedule has been yeah inconsistent schedule would be up there I think for the me, Sweden that's trip yeah for me that's it's been the schedule and maybe 
you know, a, a subplot of that would be how well they've handled it and being in second place in the Atlantic Division with the best goal differential in all of hockey, I think has been, for me, the biggest thing I take through 52 games. There's other great storylines individually and team, but I'm curious, when you hear that question, what do you think? Yeah, I, I heard you, you know, obviously when you went to break, I was going through my head during the break, like yeah. what are some different things? And I can't really say that there's one that, that really stands out. I think, you know, the first one to me that jumped out was maybe Vasilevsky's play. You know, when you look at yeah. Vasilevsky through, let's say, November, uh, and then from like December on, just yeah. the uh, the improved play there. Uh, I think the uh, the continual gradual improvement we've seen from day one to where we are now with the uh, with uh, you know how they play defensively, how they want to play structured, yeah. and how they want to limit the uh, the chances against. And I think uh, maybe the last road trip wasn't quite indicative of the uh, of the progress they've made in that area. And I think you know the the nine days off, the bye week, the All Star weekend. I think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, and I think they'll get back to that level that they were pre right. bye week. Uh, but that's been a big one for me. Just you know how. Uh, how they're looking defensively, how committed they are to keeping those those high quality chances away. You know, then some other ones. Uh, you know, Mikhail Sergachev, I think his emergence as a as a top four defenseman yeah. uh, and really inserting himself as one of the top players on this team. I think that's been a big one. Uh, I mean, you can even look at things like Jan Ruda. You know, as I was just going to say, what about Jan Ruda? Where that, that came from? That you expected Braden Coburn to be in the lineup at this point as long as he's healthy. And now we're looking at it's been quite a while since Braden Coburn's been in the lineup, and that's because Jan Ruda has done such a good job with Victor Hedman. Uh, he also allows you to play Mikhail Sergachev on his preferred hand. Uh, those are all, you know, just kind of little things. I don't know if there's really one uh, that stands out. And then, you know, just kind of where the team was at the beginning of the year, you know, maybe through up until Sweden. Uh, there was a lot of panic within the fan base. Uh, you know, the Lightning were well outside of a playoff spot. They were yeah. kind of down in the, the basement of the Atlantic division. And uh, a lot of people were wondering, you know, uh, are there going to be significant changes that are going to be made, you know, before the trade deadline? Uh, we've seen coaching changes throughout the NHL. Is that going to be something that happens here? Uh, and just from there to where we are now, where you're solidly in second place in the Atlantic division, you're one of the top five teams overall, uh, in the NHL, and you're quickly narrowing that gap between the top team in the Atlantic, uh, Boston, and where you are right now. So it's just kind of night and day where the Lightning were, you know, a month into the season to where they are now. Alex Kalorn's play. I yeah, think that's another one. I mean, career season for him, and the season's not, you know, he's still got 30 games left to play to add to those totals. Conversely, Yanni Gord. Yeah, that's How many another games? one. How many games now? 31? Is it that many? I thought it was it like might, 24. It might. it might be 31. <laughs> Who knows at this when point? You, when you struggle to score at this point, I could have said 45, and you would have been like, yeah. oh, that, maybe that, that I think it, right. I feel like it's been since Sweden, like yeah. when that line was, was so effective against Buffalo in those two games, and then it's really seemed like it's yeah. since then that uh, he hasn't really scored. He, remember he did that, that chop after uh, – Yeah, he did. I forget what that was signifying. It was so long ago, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, there was some, like, backstory as to why they yeah. did that, and they were all, were all having fun <laughs> with it, and then we never saw it again. <laughs> Uh, Steve Ersnick said the uh, the improvement of the penalty kill. 
Actually, that was one. That right I, there, there were a couple I was going through in my head, and then when I was just talking now, I'd forgotten about them. But, yeah, the penalty kill. Like, remember where we were at the end of October and how everybody yeah. was like, what is going on with this penalty kill? This was a top like unit in the game. league yeah. last year, and now they're just leaking oil left and right. And now you look <laughs> from November 1st to now, they're, they're tops in the league. That's goaltending, though, right? I mean, that's the majority of that's goaltending. A because lot of Vazzy it is. has gotten better. But I don't think Vazzy – I don't know that he made I – mean, I think he – that's not to say that Vazzy was playing poorly, but it was just like it seemed like maybe there was a little bit of a carryover from the Columbus series where yeah. we saw Vazzy, you know, make so many grade-A yeah. saves down the stretch of last season where there were defensive deficiencies. And then he went into that Columbus series, and it just seemed like there was that one goal that Vazzy was letting up that he was saving during the regular season. And then that seemed to carry into this regular season. And it wasn't until – you know, maybe late November, early December, where it seems like that's kind of gone away now. We're seeing that Vazzy that we saw down the stretch last season. Take Vazzy out of the equation. Who's been their team MVP? Oof. Well, that's a tough question. I mean, so I asked you, you asked me like maybe a month ago, and I might have said Anthony Sorelli. I might have said Braden Point. Victor Hedman. I, you know, for consistency's sake, I would probably say Victor Hedman has been their MVP. He's been really good. The last, recently. you know, month. Now you ask me now, and I might say, you know, Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos have to be in that I was mix say, as Stammer, well. Stammer's an interesting one because I think he's been consistently good all year. Yeah, this might be his most consistent season. Very good. You know, in, in a long while uh, for him. And just doing it over a number of different areas, not just the scoring and the goals that we're used to seeing yeah. from him, but playing, you know, a more 200-foot game, being a little bit more physical than he has in the past. The face-off win percentage has been up there all season. Like, he's just such a well-rounded player uh, this season, maybe more so than any other season that he's been here. Have you been swayed one way or the other, getting back to our poll question, of what Tampa Bay should or shouldn't do? You know, I kind of have been a little bit. Have I you? am. This yeah, is great. Before, I, I was this. saying maybe like a middle six kind of – uh, kind of forward. Now, what are you saying? I could Tell see me. maybe going after a right shot D. I, Just, you know, I, I figured at this point that Braden Coburn would be in the mix in that top six. Uh, and I know that switches some things around because yeah. he's not a right shot D, but uh, you probably put Sergachev on the right then. Uh, but I think Sergachev's played so well on the left now, and I don't know that you really want to upset that chemistry that he has with Shattenkirk and how he's playing right now. Uh, so I think you have to say, you know, are you comfortable going into, you know, potentially a, a long playoff run as Jan Ruda is, you know, your that's the question. Your top pair defenseman along with Victor Hedman. They did last year, though. They did. But that was a lot of that was injury, you know, related as well. You know, Hedman had those couple games he missed in the playoffs. But I mean, Jan Ruta started. Yeah. Right. I think he started that playoff series. Right. And, and, and Coburn was the one on Coburn, the bench, yeah. which was like. And then they signed Coburn to the extension in the offseason. You're thinking, okay, maybe not that they came to their senses, but maybe they were kind of like, all right, well, Coburn's going to be the guy and Root is going to be And you never know with injuries as well. If like maybe Coburn, there was something going on yeah. there. And I don't know, you know, one way or the other, but there could have been something where maybe physically he wasn't 100% ready to go. We'll know at the trade deadline, obviously. Yeah. I mean, because the on route thing is. I'm talking been, about last season last going season, into the playoffs, right. not this season. But this season, we're going to find out how they really feel about Jan Root. Yeah, I, I think so. Would you, you know, agree? I would I would definitely agree. If they don't address that at all, then I think they feel extremely comfortable with Jan Root in their top six, and that's how they're prepared to go at it for the uh, remainder of the season I in the mean, playoffs. In some ways, it's a great value trade that Julian Breezewell was able to pull off. Yeah. I mean, if you think Jan Root is in your top four, Cuckoo traded for him, which is really amazing. Cuckoo, who a lot of people had penciled oh. in in the top four after that Islander series in yeah. 20, what, 16? Yeah. Well, it was the Pittsburgh series. 
Both of yeah. yeah I, I feel like he really like came into his own in that Islander series. Had a great Pittsburgh series, and then everybody expected him to be you know in that mix coming into training camp. And and he never, just never really took hold of never. Yeah, unbelievable, really. But I agree with you. I think the Jan Ruta is a sneaky storyline. Yeah, this year because I don't think maybe I need to do a story on him tomorrow. Maybe we need to like dive deeper Ooh. into the Jan Ruta. I think you should. You know because what's interesting is he's an older guy. He's what twenty eight. Um. He's bounced around a little bit, but he's he played in Europe, so he yeah. had that he had that going for him, and so maybe the transition a bit was a little easier for him. But he goes to Chicago, plays a bit, surrounded by pretty good players there too. Yeah, comes here, so you wonder if wasn't as intimidated that somebody else might have been. Yeah, younger guy stepping yeah. into that role, maybe the the superstars right, in the room Chicago and the them. weight of yeah. the uh, right. you know the expectations. That here. might be the story. Yeah. Will you give me credit? I will. I will give you a, uh, <laughs> at the end, contributor. <laughs> contributor. <with laughs> contributor, Greg Lanelli off <laughs> Lightning Power Play. Brian Burns, beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, joining us here live at Amling Arena. All right, so when you take a look at this most recent West Coast trip, I mean, I know there were some people complaining about, you know, they, they didn't look good. Or they didn't look as good before, you know, when they were having uh, their really good hot streak, then they had the break, and they just didn't look out of sync. All right, fine, but... We're nitpicking. Yeah. You I take seven of eight. Calm down. Yeah. Like, I hear people say, this is an important game. They, they need to get back to doing what they were right. doing before. <laughs> I'm thinking, going, all right, stop. 52 games in. They're winning games. Yeah. And they're winning games differently this year. You know, even if they're not playing their best, I think they're still, they're really competitive every game. Yeah. Like, hard on pucks. The compete level's high. You know, I'm not saying last year you didn't see that, but I, I just feel like they're earning everything right now. Yeah, the Dallas game for me was a, a great game to watch. Completely yeah. entertaining the way it was back and forth, fast break after fast break, odd man rush. And I think that was the game where it was a little bit like, okay, this is completely different from right. what we saw before the bye week. They're, clearly they aren't in their defensive structure or they're not playing with that commitment that they were before the break. But you expect that. I mean, they had nine days off. You're going to lose some of those fundamentals, some of those habits, and it's going to take a while to get those back. So I thought as you saw each game go during that West Coast trip that they got a little bit better in that regard with each yeah. trip. I thought the San Jose game, I mean, I know they give up the 18 shots in the second period, uh, and it's a 1-0 game, you know, till late in the third period. But I thought that was a really good, solid, all-around effort. Uh, from this team and when you consider the circumstances that went into that it's it's the end of a long trip it's the second game of a back-to-back -back. Uh, you've got McElhaney in who you know obviously has played really well for this yeah. team but again he is your backup goalie this team has so much confidence whenever Andre Vasilevsky's in net you have to wonder when a backup goes in does the the confidence drop off a little bit even if the play in net doesn't necessarily drop off so there's all these factors that go into it and I thought they played a whale of a game. I mean, they were so structured defensively. You go into the third period, and they've talked so much about we need to protect leads. We need to play smart when we go into the third period with a lead. Uh, it's certainly a situation where it's only 1-0. They could be looking to, to really, you know, make it 3-4-0 early in that third period, but they weren't. They, they stayed within that structure defensively. They played smart. Uh, they played a good road game. Uh, and then they found those opportunities, you know, when Kucherov scores there late at the uh, in the third period to kind of seal that one up. They they waited until those opportunities presented themselves to really go on the attack. And I thought it was just a really smart third period for them. 
Uh, and it really emphasized what they you know, have been talking about all along, about how they really need to protect these leads. I thought that was a perfect example of it. And really, Stamkos and Kucherov are leading the way right now, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at what they've done since basically the holiday break. But if you look at once the calendar flipped to 2020, I mean, they're right there. Uh, tied for second in the NHL for scoring. I think only Leon Dreisaitl at Edmonton has more points than them, and it's just one more point. So, you know, they've been among the leaders in the NHL uh, for scoring since 2020. Stamkos, you know, second star of the week announced yesterday yeah. for five goals, three assists over the previous four games. And uh, it just really seems like that line is clicking right now. He's been consistently good, as I, I told you, all year long. And it's good to see him fill the net. That's what he's known for. But I think for a goal scorer, when you go in slumps, you want to see that puck go through to get that confidence going. And he's really just been level all year long. Yeah. Which I has been fun to watch. Really would like to see it go in a little bit more on the power play yeah. now. Now that everything else is kind of going, the 5-on-5 play has been spectacular. Really need to get that power play going again to really just goes be in that spurts, dynamic. doesn't it? It really does. I feel like every team, yeah, even the really good ones, go through a little bit of a lull. Yeah, and tonight this is a long one, but it is. And you know, Vegas, since Peter DeBoer has taken over, they've been really good on the PK. Yeah, and we're going to talk to Dan Duva coming up in the next segment. I thought San Jose was phenomenal on the penalty yeah, kill they in were. that game. There was just, I mean, you know, we we've watched the light, we've watched them struggle on the power play yeah. of these last few games, but at least they were able to get into the zone. Uh, and have some offensive zone time and able to move the puck around. San Jose did not allow them to yeah. set up at all. It was just so disruptive. And I thought it was a really good example for the Lightning. I know the Lightning PK has been really good, but a good example for them to watch of, you know, just how aggressive you can be on a PK and really yeah. uh, disrupt anything that the opposition is trying to do. He's Brian Burns. He's the beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning joining us here on the show. Burns, a great job. We look forward to reading your article about Jan Ruta. Yeah, we'll get on that give tomorrow. Me, give me credit as much as you can. <laughs> and uh, always do great work. And then uh, we'll be talking to you uh, pretty soon. All right. Yeah, we got some home games now. So Love we can it. get to Well, for, we more. have a couple more, right? Yeah, and a then, couple more. But you know, what are you going to do? And we'll figure it out. And then you're going to be on the road. Right? Yeah. What you were telling me. Taking a few more road Love trips. This. Now that Kaylee's coming off the yeah, road a little bit, right. I'll be doing some video work. and. Uh, Good job. Trying to be a triple threat. Which you are. Yeah. You're a triple threat. <laughs> He's Brian Burns. Dan Duva. The radio voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. He is up next. We're live here at Amelie Arena getting you set for the game tonight on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Shot taken, Morgan! What a save by Vasilevsky! No rebound! The latest news, interviews, and more. No. With your host, Greg Lanelli. Really? On Lightning Power Play. We've got some hockey here at Amelie Arena. It's been 21 days since the last time Tampa Bay played on home ice, but they had to take care of business on the road. They certainly did. Their last road trip earned seven of eight points in second place now in the Atlantic Division, and now they get set to take on the Vegas Golden Knights. Should be a good one tonight. Glad you're with us. Hit me up on Twitter, at Greg Linelli. But here to talk about Vegas a bit more, our good friend. He's the radio voice of Vegas Let's welcome back to the program Dan Duva. Dan, welcome, buddy. Hi, Greg. Great to, to be with you. you. Great to be with you. And good to be back here in Tampa. And I know that the, the team hasn't been here very long. That's right. <laughs> the schedule's just been crazy for them. And, and John Cooper said today that Vegas is going to be dealing with the same thing. Yeah, I was talking to Cooper about that. that I personally have not set foot in Las Vegas in about a month. The team is that a good thing on, or bad Well, thing? you know, it's... For, <laughs> <laughs> in a certain respect, it's probably not the worst thing. No, uh, there, there were four straight road games yeah. 
at Buffalo, at Ottawa, and Montreal, at Boston. Then was the break. Yeah. All-star game, then the bye week, and then the team has picked it up. Raleigh, Nashville, yeah. Tampa, and then the Florida Panthers on Thursday. So it's eight consecutive road games without a home game for a month. Uh, the team is back in Vegas to play Carolina on Saturday, and then right back on the road to St. Paul. So just a weird quirk of the schedule. Seven straight home games prior to this, and that's where things started to unravel. Homestand was great, yeah. but then they fell behind by three against St. Louis. Great comeback win in overtime, five to four, but then the next game they fell behind by three. Next game they fell behind by four. Then they fell behind by three. They go to Buffalo, first game of the trip, they lose again, yeah. and that's when the coaching change took place. So I, I asked you off the air, I'll ask you on the air for our audience, what the heck happened with Gerard Gallant? I mean, was it as shocking to you, somebody who's up close, as it was to, you know, the casual observer or somebody that follows another team? Uh, big shock. Yeah. Big shock uh, for those of us who are very close to the team and talk to the coaches every day. Uh, begrudgingly sometimes, no. <laughs> That's right. No, Turk was really good with us, uh, and, and I, I miss him. Two of his staff members remain in uh, Ryan Craig and Ryan McGill. Those two were, really weren't connected with Turk elsewhere. Mike Kelly yeah. was. Mike Kelly had been with him with the Florida Panthers and other, other stops, but you just were surprised given the success that he had. Uh, Jack Adams Award, best expansion team in pro sports history. For sure. And then last year, a very good season that had the uh, controversial end game seven yeah. in San Jose. So you're thinking, like, he's built up some capital, uh, but at the same time, the management, and Kelly McCrimmon is now the GM. George McPhee is now the president. The same group of people making the decisions just to tweak in titles from previous years. They felt that this roster was more talented than either of the first two seasons, and therefore the team should have a better record. Did you buy that? I, I can see it, but more talent doesn't always equate to more wins. Yeah. The misfit identity that had been there has been lost. I mean, Max Pacioretty, Paul Stastny, and Mark Stone could in no way, shape, or form be quantified as misfits or outcasts. Yeah. And, and that trio that has come in in the last year and a half really changes the identity of the team. They did make a change structurally. It was man-to-man -man defense for the first two-plus years. They made a change to zone defense yeah. uh, in early December. It really worked, and they're not as fast. I mean, Colin Miller, though, I, you, you can understand why they moved on from Colin Miller. They lose his speed at the blue yeah. line. They have these young defensemen coming up, but which ones are ready? They traded Eric Brandstrom to Ottawa in the Mark Stone deal, but you've got Nick Hague. You've got Zach Whitecloud. You've got a, a, a number of guys who are right now in Chicago in the American League, but which ones are ready? Which ones fit what they need? And uh, right now, Zach Whitecloud is up. Nick Hague scored his first NHL goal, got sent back to Chicago last week. So there, there's still some question marks there. Uh, and as everybody has, looking toward the trade deadline, what you would like to add in a perfect sure. world. Uh, but I, I think that they're, they're still trying to, re, uh, I guess, overhaul some aspects of things that Pete DeBoer says, okay. And, and he knows the Golden Knights as well as any other coach in the league because of all the games that the Knights and Sharks have played. Two playoff series, yeah. seven-game series, of course, last year. So if there's another head coach anywhere who knows the Golden Knights really well, uh, it's Pete DeBoer. And and uh, obviously they've they've only had one regulation loss in the five games that he's coached. Surprised it was him who was chosen to be <laughs> yeah, that coach. Right. And as yeah. their, their PK has been, it sounds like, a lot better with yeah. him these last five games. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and 
four times in DeBoer's career, one of his teams has been other, either number one or number two in penalty kill. Yeah. Twice in New Jersey, led the league in penalty kill. Twice in San Jose, Sharks were number two in the penalty kill. And right now, the Sharks, uh, obviously a team that, that DeBoer was in charge of setting up, uh, they're very good on the penalty kill. And yeah, I think he's got more players involved. Some guys need a spark, a jump start, and in other aspects of the game. There's just something about being on the penalty kill. It's all hands on deck. You, yeah. you do what you need to do to, to get through it. And whatever it was, because the penalty kill was in a nosedive over the course of uh, the previous month. Uh, and it uh, was good the other day, 5 for 5 against Nashville, 5 for 5 against Boston. One goal against in the last 13 times shorthanded. So uh, that's one aspect for Pete DeBoer. But just that's there's just more detail. Um, and that, I think, over the course of time will, uh, the, at least the management hopes, will reap more victories to measure up with the talent level that they have. Last thing on Gallant, do you think it was a, a matter of too much success so soon? <laughs> and the expectations, to your point, were so high maybe that any, where were they when, yeah. when he was fired? Yeah. Were they in a playoff spot? Good question. I, I, I'm trying to remember. I, what, were, they, were they in a playoff spot? Sure, yeah. When he was were. when he was fired? And, and not only that, when uh, just uh, a week or so before they were in first place, Gerard Gallant was the Pacific Division All-Star coach. That, which is just mind-boggling when and you think about it. And by the time that uh, the All-Star game took place, Vegas was not still number one in the yeah. division, but was in a wild-card spot. There's so many teams jam-packed there in the Pacific. But uh, Gerard could have coached the all-star team he declined yeah uh, so rick tockett was there instead uh, yeah it, um, it it is going to take some time for everybody to wrap their minds around the change yeah and it's uh kelly mccrimmon felt that if it's in your mind that a change is necessary there's no point in delaying and, and uh, he didn't and he didn't <laughs> he didn't and the remember the team has not played a home game right. since the coaching change that'll happen on saturday and uh Depending on how the next couple of games go here, I suppose will impact the reception that Pete DeBoer gets because a lot of people feel a kinship with Gerard Gallant. And again, this is the first, everything's the first in Vegas. Yeah. First time this, first time that. This is the first time they've made a coaching change. Right. And it's a, never a easy in any city. And a successful coach. Right, yes. At that point. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's hard, I think, for a lot of people to understand yeah uh, there's there's a loyalty there and part of that is because Gerard Gallant was himself a very loyal person sure and now it's it's obviously it didn't go very well at the end in Florida yeah. either but uh, we certainly wish uh, I, I wish Gerard well wherever he would like to go for sure uh, he'll I, be scooped I, up I, yeah expansion team yeah what it, do you think I don't know I don't know um you know the it's got some ties He's, to Steve Eisman. He, he, right, that's, that's Detroit Steve is just a mess. And, and, you know, but they, they, for the moment, still have a head coach. Um, he had terrific success in the Quebec Major Junior League when he was head coach there. He is a PEI guy. So does he find himself back in the Maritimes and coaching in some respect? Or yeah. does he want to dive right back in the NHL? I, I don't know. And I get the feeling that he wants to get back in it, but yeah. I guess time will tell. Yeah. Dan Duva joins us here on... Lightning Power Play Live and News Radio WFLA. We're getting you set for Lightning and Golden Knights. All right, so let's start with this team in terms of some of the players that um, have been good or maybe a little bit off this year. Marc-Andre Fleury, we know that's uh, closing in on some records. This guy's won a lot of cups. It starts with the back end. How has the goaltending been for Vegas this year? Uh, you know, he, he had the shutout the other day, 59th career shutout, and just... Coincidentally, Henrik Lundqvist had a shutout the other night, too. Yeah. But 
You know, Fleury and Rene were tied at 58. So you've got these veteran guys that are jockeying for all-time wins, all-time shutouts. Mark had a rough spell. His dad passed away in November on Mark's birthday. And um, that That's really tough. affected him. Yeah, for sure. His first game back was terrific. Probably running on adrenaline. But in the games after that, just didn't yeah. appear to be himself. And uh, I think that the he declined to participate in the All-Star festivities. So he sat his one game against Carolina. But didn't get tested too much against Nashville, but was great when he needed to be. Yeah. The team is going to succeed or fail based on Marc-Andre Fleury's play. And uh, he, uh, he has not had as much consistency. He's made those brilliant saves, but from night to night uh, over the last month. Some soft ones getting there. Some soft ones getting yeah. there. And Malcolm Subban has at times been amazing and at, and at other times been dreadful. And you just don't know which Malcolm Subban right. you're going to get. So Fleury's playing a lot. Uh, he was great the other day. Uh, if, if Fleury finds his game, uh, then uh, this team has the potential to be just as good as it had been the last couple of years. And if he's anything like he was in Nashville the other day, that's exactly what the staff is looking for. Is Mark Stone their best forward? Oh, that's a great question. If you were starting a team from the ground up and you had to pick among the forwards on the Golden Knights roster, Probably. I think Mark Stone. Yeah. yeah. He's not the fastest guy. He doesn't have a skill set that jumps off the page, but he's got a hockey sense that you, you can dream of. Yeah. Um, he know because he's not fast he knows 10 seconds before he's got to be someplace where he's going to go right he's got a great stick and you know takeaways and the golden knights have a ton of takeaways mark stone is leading that charge reason yeah. for that but his emotion too i mean if you talk to him if you were to walk into the, to the booth right now he'd be professional he'd be direct um not too emotive but on the ice when he scores a goal it looks like he scored an overtime goal in game seven of a playoff <laughs> yeah. series right and that yeah. is contagious yeah. because he does care so much, and that rubs off on players. Remember, he had those young guys, Colin White, Brady Kachuk, and Ottawa. And now he's one of the younger guys when you look at Paul Stastny and Max Pacioretty. Right. So he's right into what you would expect to be the prime of his career. And uh, the production is there in terms of points, the consistency, the defensive play. There are so many things that he does well. So I'm with you. I'd, if I were starting a team today with the Golden Knights forward group to pick from, I'd start with Mark Stone. And they've switched up the forward lines, right? The top two. It yeah. seems like it's, it's A lot of folks well. will say that oh, the, the Knights' top six are great, and they're just assuming Marcia, so Carlson, Smith, Pacioretty, Stastny, and Stone. But that's really not what it's been. Chandler Stevenson has come from the Washington Capitals. What and, a find. Incredible. And part of it is his skating. Uh, Jim McKenzie, one of the Golden Knights scouts, compared current Chandler Stevenson to Hershey Bears American League Chandler Stevenson, he reinvented himself. He realized what kind of a skater he is. So if you think about Paul Stastny as the center on that line between Pacioretty and Stone, who's the best skater? It's Pacioretty. But you don't want Pacioretty to be the first forward into the zone. Right. You want Pacioretty to score. Yeah. All of a sudden, Stevenson is there. Stevenson is the guy skating. Going down. He's the first guy. And then you're allowing Stone and Pacioretty to do some production. There was a great stretch there where both Stone and Pacioretty had their most productive three weeks of the season, and it was when Stevenson was there. Now, Carlson's had an injury, so they've juggled things a little bit, and this is before and after the coaching change. But Stastny on the top line with Marcia, so and Smith has been great. Stevenson there between Pacioretty and Stone has been the best play for the second line all season. And when William Carlson comes back, uh, where he fits, I don't know. But, now, he's uh, a former 40-goal guy, <laughs> guy. Now, yeah. is is he more 
20 goal scorer. Now yeah. that I mean that 40 goal yeah. was like an 40 amazing either, 43. Right? right now he's got 10. Yeah. He had not missed a game ever, regular season or playoffs in Golden Knights history until missing the last five. He yeah. has not yet played a game with head coach Pete DeBoer. When he comes back, there we would have all just assumed he'll go right back where he always was. But Gerard Galland is no longer the coach. Right. And Pete DeBoer has no reason to go back right. to the way things yeah, were. Right, right. So, uh, you know, Will is still a terrific 200-foot player. He does a lot of things well at both ends of the ice. But uh, I think that there's going to be some tinkering there. And then Cody Glass, too. Cody yeah. Glass has been better as a center uh, in his rookie season than when he's played on the wing. So you got too many centers right now. Nick Waugh is the fourth-line center. He's been terrific. And he's the guy who came over from Carolina in the Eric Halla trade. He was a big part of the Charlotte Checkers called a cup last year. Yeah, they were really good. Uh, before we let you go, I'll ask you, what do you think they do? at the trade deadline. <laughs> I mean, what do they, I guess maybe the yeah. better question is, what do they need? Yeah, you know, they, they the, the, the forward group, assuming that Carlson and Glass get healthy, I, yeah. I'm not sure that there's too much you could do to tinker there, but they have hoped for the young defensemen to step up, the young guys, whether it's Haig, whether it's White Cloud or, or others. Um, they have only Derek Anglin as a right-hand shot defenseman um, Zach Whitecloud is also yeah. right-handed, but this is his third NHL game here today. And England's more of a, what, a, a sixth defenseman at this point? Right at, yeah, and that's kind of what Probably, it's been. It was yeah. a healthy scratch the other day. So, yeah, McNabb and Schmidt's going to be the top pair. I think they'd love to have uh, a top-four guy to play with Shea Theodore. No disrespect to Nick Holden, but I'm not sure that championship team has a Nick Holden as a second pair guy, maybe as a third pair guy. Do they have the assets to go out and get somebody like They've that? They've got the assets. Yeah. It'll be a cap space situation gotcha. and who would they move to create the space to bring in somebody if they could make that, yeah. that move. Out. Last year was Mark Stone. That was a heck of a splash. Eric Brandstrom was one of the guys that went back the other way. I, I'd imagine there's some Smarter people than me who can figure out <laughs> what to do there. But that, I think, they would point to as something that they would like to improve upon. A right shot D to play alongside Shea Fiedel. Yeah, it's good stuff. Dan, as always, great Thanks, job. Greg. Always Great seeing you, man. You. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy when you get home finally and yeah. uh, get some clean underwear and you'll be ready You'll be ready that's, to roll. That's right. That's right. Figure out what time zone I'm in. Dan Duva joining us here. We come back. We'll get you set for the game tonight. Don't forget, we've got pregame. Coming up at 6.30, Lightning and Golden Knights right here on Lightning Radio. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Crosby, open in front, backhand shot. What a miraculous stop. The latest news, interviews, and more. Finally! With your host, Greg Lanelli. Oh, the relief on his face! On Lightning Power Play. Thanks again to Dan Duva joined us in that previous segment talking about Vegas. And, you know, really, when we talk about teams that needed a shakeup, apparently Vegas thought they needed one, and they get rid of Gerard Gallant, a successful head coach, no doubt, in this league. Peter DeBoer now is their head coach, and how Vegas responds will be interesting. It is a playoff team right now. They're in third place in their division, but, again, we talk about the parity in today's game. Uh, you go on a three, four, five game losing streak, and you're in deep trouble. And it's one thing you have to keep in mind when it comes to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I asked the question earlier at the start of my show, what has been the biggest storyline for this Lightning team in your eyes through 52 games? And my first initial reaction was the schedule. How Tampa Bay has dealt with a pretty demanding schedule. The traveling has been difficult. 
course, we know going out to Sweden. This is their first game back at Amling Arena in 21 days. It's been a grind, and it's going to continue to be a grind as this regular season comes to an end. But how well they've done performing in this type of environment has been impressive. And I'm curious what you think, at Greg Linelli on Twitter. But I also think, too, another good storyline for this team, the ability to avoid the long losing streak. Because when they were struggling and they were out of a playoff spot, they still were hanging around. They were hanging around and giving themselves an opportunity that if they did get on a hot streak, they'd be back in a playoff spot. If you lose six, seven games in a row, it's really tough for you to get back on track. And we talked about this with uh, San Jose. San Jose had a lot of expectations coming into the season, but they lost their first four games of the season. You do that, you lose a lot of momentum. And that's what happened. And give credit to Tampa Bay. That didn't happen. Sure, they didn't play as well as they would have liked at times, but they also found ways to get points when they were struggling. And that has allowed them to be in this position, which is second place in the Atlantic Division. So if you want to react to that, you can. At Greg Lanelli. Also, too, as we get a little closer to the trade deadline, what are you feeling this team should do? What position or positions do you think need to be addressed? Within reason, of course. Uh, I keep going back to the article that Pierre Lebrun had in The Athletic. It's basically saying the sellers are really going to be looking at teams who have draft picks. And Tampa Bay has multiple first-round picks this year. And you wonder if Julian Breezewell looks at that and says, you know what, I don't really want to give up a ton of my prospects, but I'm willing to give away one of my high-end draft picks to get, maybe it is a top-four right-handed shooting defenseman. There's no doubt that Jan Ruta has played well. No question. And that's evident by the fact that John Cooper keeps putting him out there. And for that, you have to like what Ruta has accomplished. But to me, maybe the biggest question this team needs to ask heading into the stretch run here, do they believe that Jan Ruta not only is a top six defenseman for this team, but is he a top four? Because he's playing with Victor Hedman. Now, as we know in playoff hockey, Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, those guys are going to play a ton of minutes. And their partner won't necessarily be playing as many minutes as them. So in some ways, uh, that can be a little bit misleading. Who are your top four defensemen? And you still have guys like Mikhail Sergachev and Kevin Shattenkirk who could be elevated in a bigger role. But I do think, and it's a compliment to how well Root has played, that we're having this conversation. Because I'm not sure many people would have had that conversation heading into the season. The fact that Jan Ruta has put himself in this position to be a top four defenseman for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But is that an area you think they need to address heading into the trade deadline? I get the sense that Julian Breeswell wants to do something. What he wants to do remains to be seen. All right, we got the pregame. It is coming up next. We've got a ton of players and coaches that we're going to hear from. Also, Eric Erlinson will hop on, and we'll talk to him about the Lightning, Dave Michigan, and Phil Esposito. We'll be talking to him. It's always good to see Phil. 
and uh, get his thoughts. Ryan McDonough as well will be part of our team time segment. And that's what it's all about here on Lightning Radio and News Radio WFLA.